Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to Sox Machine Live. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, and it's Thursday night, August 29th, 2019, as we are streaming live on Mixler.com slash Sox Machine. On this episode, we'll preview the White Sox first visit to Atlanta's SunTrust Park and get an opportunity to watch a very exciting team with a blend of old and Josh Donaldson and Freddie Freeman with a young superstar and Ronald Acuna Jr. It'll be a tough test for the White Sox, but hopefully it'll be much easier than what happened this week against the Minnesota Twins as the White Sox just finished a series in which they were swept at home, including a really tough day for Dylan Cease, who has now made 10 Major League starts in his rookie year. We'll take a deeper dive on how he's faring so far. And how a comment made by Frank Thomas on the White Sox pregame show displays just how sensitive the White Sox are concerning news with Luis Robert. That's where we'll start. And joining me is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com. It's Jim Margulis. And hello, Jim. I just wanted to be known. That if we had sources tell us that Luis Robert will not be called up, we would not take down this podcast. That sounds fair. We would also be behind basically every other outlet. <laughs> so yeah. there's that too. Yeah. I I am sure. Uh, but you know, in the off chance, maybe we decipher some kind of cryptic message on Instagram from Luis Robert. Uh, with him releasing the news that I'm not being called up to Chicago. I mean, we could be the first ones to get that, Jim. We've got Instagram. True. But, uh, yeah, it was it was weird. Um, the whole thing's weird. <laughs> I mean, like, the uh, two, two straight years of this being the dominant August 
uh, early September storyline of just, you know, will the White Sox actually let their fans see a prospect who deserves to be called up? And, um, you know, Han's been sidestepping it, but this this seemed like uh, they were making more of it than needed to be. Like, uh, I guess you can run that through the whole storyline because I'm not sure I know the whole thing, but from what I saw during work, it uh, it seemed like an overreaction. Yeah, for those that don't know, here's the timeline of events. On the pregame show on NBC Sports Chicago, as the final White Sox and Twins game was obviously during the afternoon, a 1.10 p.m. Central Time start, Layla Rahimi, who does great work for NBC Sports Chicago, especially trying to balance Ozzie Guillen and Frank Thomas during a pregame show, I think she does a terrific job balancing those two, uh, is getting a conversation going about Luis Robert and the possibility of maybe seeing him in September with the White Sox. And Thomas starts by saying, breaking news. And then he shares his conversation that he had with Rick Hahn during warmups, saying that a final decision hasn't been made, but Thomas did allude that Rick Hahn is leaning no. And Thomas finished his part by not believing that Luis Robert is going to be called up. This is nothing new because Hahn has already hinted at Robert not being called up a few weeks ago on the White Sox Talk podcast, citing fatigue to be an issue. And we of White Sox Twitter have been making fun of that every time there's a Luis Robert highlight coming from Charlotte. And then last week in front of the media scrum, he told beat reporters that it would be important for Luis Robert to gain experience being in a playoff hunt like he is now with Charlotte. And that just makes everybody roll their eyes even more. So the game happens. And after the game, uh, Chicago Tribune columnist Paul Sullivan retweets the video, citing that Thomas is reporting that Robert is not being called up. And then the video disappears. <laughs> and then Paul Sullivan tweets out, to sum up, White Sox legend Frank Thomas' scoop on Luis Robert was tweeted out by NBC Sports Chicago before the video was removed after the White Sox refuted Big Hurt's report which eventually will be proven accurate when Robert is not called up. <laughs> Again, this is the worst kept secret in Chicago concerning the White Sox. But it is odd. And this is a part of media that rubs me the wrong way, Jim. Even if teams are starting to gain more control of their regional sports networks, that they have the power to remove content like that. Yeah. Yeah. Why would the White Sox go to lengths demanding NBC Sports Chicago, which is 50% owned by Jerry Reinsdorf and is often cited as state media channel of the White Sox, to take down what Thomas said? I don't know. I mean, I, I guess, you know, maybe... No, I mean, like, I was going to say, like, even if it were, like, somehow a report that shouldn't have gone out or a, a you know, like, you sometimes see it with other papers, outlets for more serious news saying, like, that it was something that shouldn't have gone live. They didn't verify the sources. They they couldn't um, you know, corroborate it, and and so it was too flimsily sourced. And they they take it down. So if they thought Thomas was just kind of like speaking uh, out of turn, or just thought that you know he didn't have solid sources and 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 shouldn't have gone live with it without you know running it through editors or or higher ups. Then I could see it maybe being some kind of you know thin cover for it. But if he said he talked to Han, and you know Frank Thomas is a guy who's at the ballpark and, and you know could have talked to Han, like the you know, there's no reason why they wouldn't cross paths. You know, being both White Sox employees and such, uh, you know that wouldn't you know it it just the it's a Streisand effect kind of where by 
you know, removing it from the site, they make a bigger deal of it than needs to be, and it makes it look like uh, Frank was right. And, uh, you know, he probably is, and, and, and I'm guessing he is, and I'm guessing that, uh, um, you know, Robert isn't coming up and everybody is correct about this that's been saying that Robert isn't going to be coming up, but to pull it down just makes it seem, I, I'm not sure what it accomplishes. Everybody already heard it. Um, and, and, and also NBC Sports Chicago, like, tweeted it out with their pack, you know, putting it forward. You know, it's not like they, they tweeted out the whole pregame show and that just happened to be a sentence tucked in there that uh, a producer didn't think about. That was what they thought was newsworthy. And so it was already out there by the NBC Sports Chicago. There's no, you know, taking it off the web doesn't erase that didn't happen. And it just makes the White Sox look overly sensitive um, to something that's true. And Thomas does national media work. He's on Fox Sports, so he's doing his job. Yeah. This is why he's on television. He gets an opportunity to get access. He goes up to the general manager and asks, hey, is Luis Robert coming up in a next week? And he will, you know, just report back and letting fans know this is what's up. I'm informing the fan base. Now, I could see why the White Sox took it down because they don't want Luis Robert watching this. They don't want Luis Robert in Norfolk, Virginia going on Twitter. And then people are saying, oh, by the way, Luis, it sounds like you're not being called up. And he may not have heard from Rick Hahn himself and is in the in the dark on what his situation is going to be after this weekend series in Norfolk. But again, this just doesn't I don't know. This doesn't vibe right with me to demand that a media outlet take down a video like that. And NBC Sports Chicago accommodating that. Well, I mean, they own it. So it's basically not too much different from MLB.com or WhiteSox.com taking down something. Um, you know, that's why it's important that there are beat writers there, you know, like uh, uh, the Sun-Times and the Tribune and the Athletic. You know, it's important that they're there because, you know, if say if say the when the Tribune had no beat writer and the Sun-Times looked like it was on the ropes, you know, that you know, we would be looking at maybe the Athletic and two White Sox owned media entities is the only sources out there. And that was, you know, it kind of dovetails too with an athletic column. I think it was Mark Kerrig, a national baseball writer who wrote about the conflicts of interest with, uh, you know, certain team employees at certain, uh, you know, networks. I think he was speaking specifically of uh, Jessica Mendoza, who is with ESPN, but also the Mets. And A-Rod was with ESPN and Fox and the Yankees. And David Ross is with the Cubs and ESPN. And talking about how they would, you know, be talking about, you know, Jessica Mendoza was talking about Noah Syndergaard trade rumors while she's theoretically an employee. Uh, you know, so she's kind of using information from one job and applying it to the other. And so with Thomas, you know, it's, uh, you, know, you know, maybe that's part of it, too, is that he's an employee of the White Sox. He's also works for uh, he works for NBC Sports Chicago. And I think he's probably working for Fox still. I haven't seen him there in a while, but he's still doing that. So. Yeah, that just that, that's I get yeah that's I guess the local example of what that athletic article is talking about, just how these lines blur and how everybody seems to be strangely okay with it until something happens where they're not. So after the game, the reporters go into the clubhouse, and friend of the podcast James Vegan of the Athletic goes and asks Jose Abreu about what September means for the the White Sox clubhouse, as the season does end in a month. And what Jose Abreu said about September, quote, just to keep pushing, keep doing our best, keep trying to improve and do better every day. 
hoping that the young guys in the organization are going to be up, whoever they are, just to teach them and guide them, and hopefully with their talent, they can help us too. The 2020 season, it starts in September. Because that's when the guys that don't have experience, the new guys, need to start learning how it is to play at this level. I think we are all on the same page there. That's what we are trying to accomplish just to do our best and keep pushing. The 2020 season starts in September. Jim, can Jose Abreu be both the White Sox first baseman and general manager next year? <laughs> I mean, it kind of was that way with Paul Konerko a little bit. Um, so that wouldn't be completely unprecedented. But no, that's kind of uh, goes along with what we've been saying. And uh, what, you know, I guess the last two years with Eloy Jimenez the year before talking about his promotion and saying that any kind of head start he can get into a fully productive 2019 would be terrific. And then we see Jimenez struggle both in the field and at the plate, and they're talking about uh, a stance reworking with him. Uh, Fegan wrote about that with, uh, you know, talking about Todd Steverson about how uh, Jimenez's unusual stance makes it harder for maybe him to cover the combination of sliders away and fastballs up, and they might have to look at that. But, you know, having two months of 2018 might have you know, helped him prepare for 2019 instead of throwing one year of 2019 completely out and hoping he can fix it uh, next year. And I think, you know, that's why when we look at Jimenez struggling, uh, that's why, you know, many of us want Robert up. Just, you know, if he's not proving that, uh, if he's showing that uh, AAA shows him nothing, has no challenges for him, then give him a challenge that he can go into his offseason preparing for, you know, for the full season ahead in 2020. So, now I agree with Abreu, and I think that's what we've all been getting at is that, if the White Sox want to make 2020 uh, their year, um, even if, you know, maybe they're not going full throat and they're not sacrificing 2022 for 2020 at this point, um, you know, they're, they're still, the way to do that is by trying to pack as much pain into 2019 as possible. And I think that's what he's getting at. That's what we've been getting at. And yeah, just, uh, it goes back to what we've talked about before is just the, Lack of urgency from the front office and how it forces everybody below them to try to make up for it, whether it's Rick Renteria with his uh, benchings and buntings or Abreu speaking out. Just, you know, everybody has their own way of trying to want to prove that they can win despite not having the tools to win with. So I looked at MLB Pipeline's top 100 just to see which prospects are just raking in AAA and merit a call-out. By the way, Jim Callis will be on Monday Sox Machine podcast, so that's something cool. for everyone to look forward to. And other than Luis Robert, there are two other prospects that most definitely should be called up based on their performance at AAA. Gavin Lux of the Los Angeles Dodgers and Kyle Tucker of the Houston Astros. Both of the Dodgers and Astros rosters are obviously stacked. I mean, they're two of the best teams in Major League Baseball, both those teams may be on a collision course to meet each other again in the World Series in 2019. And both teams are obviously going to the postseason. And when you look at the rosters for both Lux and Tucker, Jim, I mean, these players are blocked. Like, it'd be very difficult for the Dodgers and the Astros to find consistent playing time for Lux and Tucker, especially Tucker for the Astros, because the Astros are on a race for home field advantage with the New York Yankees. Mm -hmm. uh, very tight. And, you know, that that's going to matter. If these two teams are going to play a seven-game series in the American League Championship Series, uh, both teams would want to have home field advantage. So both teams still have something to play for. Uh, so to me, 
it makes sense for the Dodgers and Astros to manipulate Lux and Tucker's service time because you don't need them. Your, your rosters are already stacked. You can tell them your season's done unless a major injury happens in September or during the postseason. Uh, take your great roster and go to the postseason. Mm-hmm. Robert, nobody is blocking him. So now what we're hearing from Los Angeles is that they are seriously going to consider calling up Gavin Lux. And if the Astros call up Tucker and the White Sox don't call up Luis Robert, I feel Rick Hahn is going to be left alone manipulating service time of one of the game's top prospects. Because just look around. So many teams this year are starting to shift away from manipulating service time this season. It seems to be a new trend. Everyone's calling up their top prospects this season. Uh, but the White Sox, for whatever reason, Jim, are not following that trend. Yeah, I think with the Dodgers and Astros, the one thing that might be in play here, especially like say with the Astros having such a loaded roster, is like they might consider trading Tucker. You know, they might not really care about his service time up front because they're not going to see, you know, years five through okay, you know, five through six, you know, the you know on, on the back end of it, just because they might use him to deal him to you know acquire somebody else. So I could see that one case of you know for teams that deep, uh, individual years of control don't matter because Tucker will get considerable haul back. You know, no matter if he's got uh, you know six years of control or five years of control or seven years, like it's still diminishing returns. Like after four, I think for a, for a player like him, so uh, that would be the one difference I think between the White Sox and Astros and Dodgers when it comes to I, I guess the the value of those years. But also, you know, we've talked about too is like we don't know what the White Sox would look like, you know, uh, if they ever made the postseason two years in a row, if they had. Uh, a real sense of momentum and continuity where you feel like, oh, this is this is a four-year window of AL Central dominance. <laughs> right. Yeah, we have no idea what that looks like. You know, the White Sox have never done it in any level over their entire history. So, you know, we don't know what the ratings would look like. We don't know what the attendance would look like. We don't know what the, that would cause the payroll to be and, and what kind of resources they could pump into the roster. And um, you know, that's why I'm really intent and, and, and my focus is on maximizing the time that they have with Yohan Makata being really affordable and really good. And, and so I think there are different incentives, both pointing to uh, the White Sox calling up Robert, like the Dodgers are calling up Lux and, and the Astros, the Tucker, um, you know, not the same reasons, but different enough and valid enough. I, I think with the, with the White Sox, it would have been more valid a month ago. So you really get that time to give Robert a, a look at major league pitching and understand how they're attacking them after adjustments are made. So they kind of missed the boat on that one, but yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. And it's, uh, it's the least fun I think of being a baseball fan and somebody who watches when uh, you can't watch somebody who deserves to be up in the majors. And a lot of people spin it like it's your fault for wanting to be entertained. Right. And I, I roll my eyes at the people on Twitter that are saying that, well, I don't see how much benefit Luis Roberts going to get from playing one month of the season. And it's like, guys, come on. A cup of coffee is a baseball buzzword. It's part of the lingo of the game. They've been giving cup of coffees to players for decades. That's what September is for and what it's been used often. Yeah, that's what Mike Trout did. Mike Trout's September was terrible. And then he came back. Uh, they, they did a little bit of, I think, service time where they tried to hold off on him for service time reasons and he didn't get called up until late April, but then he came back and he looked like Mike Trout as we know him today. Right. So again, we don't expect Luis Robert to be called up. 
for stupid reasons that's acting in bad faith of the CBA, which will be used by the Players Association during the 2021 season to threaten to strike. Fun times. But don't worry, we may get to watch more Ryan Goings trying to play right field for the White Sox. So we have that to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, he's he's kind of like the... Uh... I, I think he's turned into the the emblem of just how thin the roster is when he's both a solution. He's a solution for DH on one day and right field the next. Well, the truth is, in all honesty, is that football season starts next week. And vast majority of White Sox fans are going to stop watching. And apathy, apathy will kick in. But if you call up Luis Robert... It would be good for business because that will keep people paying attention to your team for the rest of the month, uh, the rest of the season, even though there is no postseason coming up. Mm -hmm. But without calling up Luis Robert, there's going to be a lot of White Sox fans that are checking out because it's football season. The Bears have kicked off 24-7. Sports, sports, sports in Chicago will be nothing about but the Bears, three hours of sports radio shows and two and a half hours will be covering the Chicago Bears and the White Sox may be lucky getting 10 minutes. That's just the reality of the situation. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of reasons to be reasons to call up Luis Robert and the reasons that they will not call call up Luis Robert again are stupid. Now, for the White Sox rookie Dylan Cease did not have a good start against the Minnesota Twins got punished. He only lasted two innings as the Twins went on to win the Thursday matinee 10-5 to over the White Sox. And looking at Dylan Cease's first 10 starts of his Major League career gem, he's got a 6.92 ERA. He's pitched 52 innings. Uh, again, he only lasted two innings in his most recent start on Thursday. He has struck out 53 batters. Obviously, the ERA is ugly. Uh, but I think he's got a healthy strikeout to walk ratio. Uh, yes, he has allowed a lot of home runs. He's allowed 13 home runs and he's allowed at least one home run in each of his starts. But after the first 10 starts of his major league career, how would you grade it? And are we seeing progress here? Uh, I guess I would grade it like a C minus because um, just the amount of improvement that's needed and just the, I guess, rep- repetition of his issues how they keep you know the 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 bad inning the the consecutive batters like all his starts kind of look the same and i guess when uh you have a young player you'd like to see him i guess try to you know i guess it's a little bit like whack-a-mole where you you try to uh solve one issue another one pops up and i think he's dealing with that a little bit but it's a little bit disappointing um you know the the stuff is there he's hitting 100 today um, I, I think the biggest disappointment right now, and it reminds me of Lucas Giolito a, a little bit, is the curveball, and that it isn't really a weapon for him right now. He doesn't have the command for it, um, or, or hitters are laying off it. I think it's more just his, he's not throwing a whole lot of tempting ones. But I think it's leaving him really exposed against lefties, and uh, he doesn't have enough confidence in the slider or changeup to really go away from that. So that's, I think, the biggest issue he faces right now. And uh, I think there's a bit of an identity crisis right now. Hmm. How so with the identity crisis? Well, just like the the lack of, you know, I think he was always fastball power curve. Yeah, that was right. kind of his bread and butter in the minors. And that was his, you could, he could escape that at any time just by getting bad swings or guys locked up. And now I think those, uh, I guess, th- those frozen hitters or the, 
the the really ugly swings are just fewer and farther uh, between right now. So when it comes to trying to find out another way to get guys out, he just gets in counts where he has to throw fastballs and they get smoked or uh, you know, just isn't, you know, is falling behind guys and isn't using, able to get the curve in. I think probably Giolito, he had to kind of ditch the curveball and, and go to the slider more. And the White Sox can teach a decent slider. So I'm not, I'm not afraid or I'm, I'm not fearing for his major league future because I think eventually he'll get more confidence in that pitch. But uh, right now, I just think he's not the uh, uh, not the pitcher he was in the minors, um, just when it comes to the way his arsenal worked against hitters. I still feel that this is a good learning experience, though, for him. Oh, oh yeah. Yep. Like, he can take it's these tough. 10 starts, yeah. right? And you are right. This is tough. I mean, this is the next step. It is maturity. And I think it's you're, you're better off having him, even if he struggles in his next three starts to finish out the year, it's just 13 starts, and he can go into the offseason and maybe even work with Lucas Giolito to get ready for the 2020 season, but he understands what he needs, what adjustments he needs to make. And you're not having to deal with an entire season like Lucas Giolito had to do, right? Struggle through 30 starts mm-hmm. and really have some issues. And, you know, it's it's cool that Lucas Giolito speaks about it now because he's doing so well. But, you know, we re- rewind to 2018. He was having issues with confidence. He didn't know what he had anymore as far as stuff. And he makes some pretty drastic adjustments and look at Lucas Giolito now we talked about it on a Monday I mean could Lucas Giolito get some Cy Young votes and can he sneak into the top three I mean it's just such a dramatic turnaround and it's pretty clear in baseball savant especially his fastball that he ranks in the 92nd percentile for fastball velocity as a starter his fastball spin is the 84th percentile his curveball spin is the 66th percentile I mean the Houston Astros would eat him up immediately mm-hmm. right um, the teams that are favoring advanced metrics and saber metrics would want Dylan Cease on their team right now uh, to help him with some of these adjustments. But I think you're right. I mean, maybe it is ditching the curveball for the slider because he does need to establish strike one with a different pitch other than a fastball because he loves to live high up in the zone of the fastball. And, and Jim, it's pretty clear that uh, that's not always a consistent method for Cease to get strike one. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at his you know Statcast page too, and I see like this exit velocity, hard hits, you know, all the batted ball stats are actually pretty good in his favor. Um, it, it's just I think sequencing right now, like he'll have you know good three four innings in a row where he's looks like a major league pitcher. Um, and you know when you when you talk about his maturity, like I think his demeanor is more or less down. Uh, the way he doesn't show opponents anything, whether it's uh, good or bad, just he. he there's really no way to get him to show any kind of um, sense of the moment. <laughs> I think that's good for a pitcher. Uh, more, uh, yeah, it's fun when you see a pitcher uh, celebrate a strikeout or get pumped up the way we've seen Giolito and Lopez and uh, you know Jimmy Cordero and other guys who are kind of feeling it uh, do. But I think it's it's ultimately better for a young starter when he doesn't really show those signs and Cease doesn't. I think it's just uh, uh, just the way it all compounds in an inning. And uh, it would be, uh, you know, like, I don't want him to ditch the curveball. I I think uh, that's still an important part of his overall development and getting swings and misses on that pitch and being a put-away pitch is ultimately, I think, what's going to separate him from other starters. But I think when it comes to the idea of, as I drop a penny, (laughs) um, as, uh, 
you know, he gets in the building counts and approaching hitters multiple times through an order that, yeah, he needs to uh, get people off his fastball no matter how he does it. Well, maybe dropping the penny, Jim, will bring Cease good luck. Yeah, I don't know what what uh, how, what how side it ended up because it rolled under the desk. Well, we're just going to assume it's heads for good luck <laughs> for Dylan Cease in his upcoming starts. All right, so we're going to shift gears here as there's really not much to discuss as far as coming out of the Twins-White Sox series. Lucas Giolito pitched well. He only allowed two solo home runs, and uh, again, he's holding one of the best offenses in all of Major League Baseball to just two runs over six innings to give the White Sox an opportunity to win the game. So Lucas Giolito still on a roll. And, and and six days apart. And six days apart. Uh, so yeah, uh, hopefully he can continue as he'll have another tough test this upcoming weekend as the Chicago White Sox head to Atlanta to face the Atlanta Braves. Before we preview that series though, a quick word from our sponsor SeatGeek with millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee. SeatGeek proves there's a better way to buy tickets. Search sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has the tickets you are looking for all in one place. In an industry that tends to stagnate, SeatGeek decided to stand out from the crowd. They built the fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. And I use SeatGeek all the time because it's just a better process. When I shop on SeatGeek, they rate each ticket on a scale of 1 to 10. Uh, The green dots are very very good deals. The red dots, I know to stay away because those tickets are overpriced. I also like the feature that SeatGeek has that they display pricing, including all the fees. So you don't have sticker shock uh, when you try to check out. Like if you ever buy tickets on Ticketmaster and you think, oh, two tickets for 20 bucks. And then you go check out and it's like $69 because of all the fees and taxes that they don't display right away. SeatGeek doesn't do that. They have all the fees up front so you have a full understanding how much your tickets are. And I use SeatGeek all the time to buy tickets, especially going to Chicago White Sox games because you can download the tickets onto your smartphone and it makes it easy access into the stadium, especially stadiums that have gone paperless. The best part of using SeatGeek is they give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase by using our promo code. So all you have to do is just download the SeatGeek app today on your smartphone and use promo code SOXMACHINE. That's promo code SOXMACHINE for $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. And again, the Chicago White Sox are heading to Atlanta to face the Braves over the Labor Day weekend. The Atlanta Braves are 81-54 and on the season. They are first place in the National League East. They are five and a half games ahead of the Washington Nationals, and they would be the number two seed right now in the National League if this season were to end today. In their last 10 games, the Atlanta Braves are red hot. They are eight and two. So this is a strong team that is playing really good baseball of the late. So this will be a tough test for the White Sox. We're still waiting to get probable pitchers for the Atlanta Braves, but we do know the probable pitchers for the Chicago White Sox in this series. Starting on Friday, August 30th, it will be a 6.20 p.m. Central Time start. It will be Yvonne Nova for the White Sox on the mound, who has just been awesome in the second half. And uh, he might, (laughs) this is weird to say, but he could be in consideration to be pitcher of the month in August for the American League, Jim, as Nova is 3-1 with a 1.09 ERA. Hmm. over five starts uh, also pitching extremely well in the second half Ronaldo Lopez Lopez will get the Saturday night start that's a 6 20 p.m. central time start and then on Sunday note the odd start time it is 
4.10 Central Time on Sunday, and it'll be Lucas Giolito on the mound against the Braves. When you look on the matchup on paper, Jim, offensively for the White Sox, they just don't have the firepower to keep up with the Atlanta Braves, who have one of the best offenses in Major League Baseball. But I do feel that with how well Nova and Lopez and Giolito are pitching, this could be one of those series that even though the White Sox were just swept by the Twins, that they could come in and surprise people and find a way to win two out of three. Yeah, I, I'm not with you on that one just because <laughs> we, we just see what depth does and and right. uh, just how relentless the Twins offense is and how any spot in the lineup can hit homers. And I kind of feel this they're walking in the same thing and they're seeing you know Jimmy Cordero pitching back-to-back days and Hector Santiago pitching back-to-back days and Kelvin Herrera. Just all these guys uh, having to show up earlier and earlier in the game and seeing Tim Anderson um, benched or given the day off from the, the last game and, and Rick Renteria saying that he's tired and just, you know, I think, you know, it's just, this is the kind of cumulative effect I was worried about when we were talking about this really tough stretch against uh, a lot of winning teams and how I thought there might be an eight game losing streak in here uh, or, or some kind of sizable skid that makes them, you know, win 11 of 19, uh, 11 of 30. And this kind of feels like they're, on the verge of uh, of tipping over and spilling out and just being a mess for uh, a good week. Yeah, because after this, it's a four-game series at Cleveland, a series that the Cleveland Indians really do need. So you know that the Indians will be playing uh, with urgency. But yeah, when you're comparing the rosters, I mean, the Atlanta Braves position player-wise have four players that are worth three war or better. Uh, on fan graphs, Ozzy Albies, Freddie Freeman, Josh Donaldson, and Ronald Acuna Jr. And I got to tell you, Jim, I'm wondering if Josh Donaldson has set himself up for another big payday uh, after this year. He took a risk, signed a one-year, I think it was like a $20 million deal. And I think after this season, he may be able to leverage that to a two- or three-year deal and maybe $25 million a pop with how well he's been playing for the Braves. Yeah, no, he deserves it. He looks basically fully healthy, and and maybe being away from Toronto in their turf helps with that. Um, Given that he's, I'm just seeing if he's 33 or 34 now. Let's see. He is 33, turns 34 in December. So, um, yeah, it's going to be tough for him, I think, just to get that huge contract. He'll have the qualifying offer slapped on him, too, so there's that. Um, But when it comes to multiple years, I think he can find one just because I think there will be fewer teams... I'm hoping, you know, for the for the sake of baseball and so many fan bases, there will be fewer teams outright tanking and, and not interested in signing anybody. And that should beef up his market a little bit. But I think he wanted to sign with the Braves. He was interested in one year. The Braves were interested in having him for one year. And so that made sense. And so that lined up. I think we don't really know what a full interested market for Josh Donaldson looks like. And... Uh, it seems like he should get paid. I know that uh, that, that uh, Penals is making the case that David's or uh, Donaldson looks like a Hall of Famer. Um, he got a really late start to his career, but I mean, like he got basically full time start at twenty seven, and then since twenty seven, he's been you know multiple times like top five player in the league. He won an MVP one year. Um, he a couple other runners up. He's got a well, one forty one OPS plus. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, it's a compelling case, and I, I think he's maybe a little bit short, uh, and you need a couple more years like this, maybe going to like through age 36 like this. But uh, given the shelf life of third baseman and how demanding that position is and how many guys 
have shorter careers, even the Hall of Famers, that um, it's not out of the question. And uh, he's fun to watch, even though he terrorizes the White Sox. I'm not really, fun, I'm not really looking forward <laughs> to watching him play the series. But there are a lot of guys in this team I like watching the Acuna, uh, Donaldson, Freddie Freeman's a lot of fun. Yep. Uh, and I don't get to watch too many Braves games, so I am kind of looking forward to it as a baseball fan, just seeing how these guys look and, and go about their business. And this is another team that went through a rebuild. And maybe the White Sox could have as strong of a roster as the Braves do. But yeah, the Braves, I mean, this is a really strong team. And they have really done a nice job setting themselves up to be a a contender or a team that is strong enough to stand up to the Los Angeles Dodgers. We'll see how the postseason shakes out. If we do get a Dodgers-Braves National League Championship Series, I think that would be extremely entertaining of a series to watch. Uh, but the Braves arrow is definitely pointing up. And I think they'll be one of the stronger teams in 2020 and maybe even beyond. I mean, just watching highlights of Ronald Acuna Jr. It's just, it's amazing how talented that he is and how young he is. I mean, he's younger than Yoan Makata for crying out loud. Yep. Uh, so yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. And if the White Sox, there's, there's two key factors for the White Sox. One, they need excellent starting pitching from Nova Lopez and Giolito to give themselves a chance Two, the kryptonite for the Atlanta Braves. Their bullpen is terrible, terrible. The second worst bullpen in all of major league baseball. Uh, so if the White Sox are going to steal some games, they may have to do it late. So let's see what happens when you have one of the worst offenses in Major League Baseball in the second half. Go up against one of the worst bullpens in the second half. Uh, that'll be the White Sox Braves this upcoming weekend. But it'll be fun. It'll be entertaining. Uh, and, you know, for those that, you know, get tired of college football with it getting kicked off on Saturday and looking for some baseball, uh, you, we can watch some White Sox Braves together. And again, we'll recap that series on Monday Sox Machine Podcast. But that will do it for this edition of Sox Machine Live. Thank you to everyone that listened to the live stream on Mixler.com slash Sox Machine. If you don't get an opportunity to listen to the live stream, no worries. You could always listen to the recording on the podcast feed, which you can subscribe to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Audioboom.com slash Sox Machine, and Google Podcasts. Sox Machine Live is a production of SoxMachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Check out our amazing offers on Xfinity Internet. You'll get fast speed and Wi-Fi coverage you can count on. Plus, get advanced security free with the x Gateway, so you can keep the connected devices in your home protected from network threats. Just log in and activate through the Xfinity app. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.